Okay, so everybody, hello, how's it going? Welcome to the In The Dome podcast. My name is Michael, you know Jordan. We are very happy to be joined by one of the best, if not the best in the business today, Mr. Ryan Leslie. How is it going today? Guys, good to be with you. It's going okay. Uh, I mean, I think it'll be a lot better for everybody once uh, the game returns, but it's still sounding encouraging, so we'll we'll keep the faith. Yeah, 2020 has been just a roller coaster year for the Calgary Flame players and fans um, on and off the ice. So, like you said, it's going to be nice to get back to some normalcy, and hopefully this 24-game or team playoff format is going to be really exciting. Yeah, you know what? I think there's a lot of intrigue, at least for me and some of the people that I've chatted with, about is it normal? No, this whole year isn't normal. But this format has a little intrigue for me, and I like the fact that, uh, you know, all but one Canadian team uh, will be in the, the postseason. I don't have a problem with any of the matchups. I don't have a, you know, I'm not going to nitpick as, as far as the format. I, I, I say bring it on. And uh, there are certainly reasons why some teams may not like it, and certain fan bases may say they got ripped off from something. But uh, for the most part, I'm just hopeful that if this thing all comes to fruition and, and we're back watching hockey in any capacity, you know, you got to beat the best to be the best. And I, I just think it doesn't really matter at this point. Let's just get the game back in a healthy scenario where uh, whatever it looks like, without fans, hub cities, uh, matchups I've never dreamed of, uh, great for the game, great for television, great for the fans. We'll have something to watch over the summer. Let's just do it. Yeah, totally agree. I I agree with you, and I, I, I'm kind of – a few questions on that, because I, I are you surprised at all that the NHL has kind of been like the first one to kind of like put out their plan as the first like big league to be back? Because I know that kind of blew me away. I was like, I can't believe they are the first ones. Yeah, well, on a couple of fronts, the way I see it, anyhow, guys, is that first of all, it kind of needs to. I know it's important for Gary. He has been relentless with this. Um, you know, obviously, they're in a different situation than than other leagues, and they do. You know, they do need this, uh, the television side of it going forward. Um, they've got to get it back up and running as far as, um, we know fans won't be in the building, but, you know, going forward into next year, uh, it is gate-driven. They need that revenue. So as far as the postseason is concerned now, I, I just think it lines up. You know, baseball's got their own infighting going on. The NBA has the luxury of not having to press panic. Um they can kind of sit back, and, and it sounds as though that it's getting close, too. Um, they were kind of the leaders, as we all recall, of, of everything shutting down in professional sports here in North America. And it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest, if the NBA going forward has a later start. I don't know as though they necessarily need to get going. You know, in the CFL, everybody always says the season doesn't start till Labor Day. Well, in the NBA sort of feels as though they don't really need to get going for a next season anyhow uh, until November, December. And I wonder if that happens going forward. But as far as the NHL is concerned, um, there's some deals that have to get done. The revenue is important. And I think Gary's just been really relentless on solutions. And for that, I guess we should applaud it. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts? It's going to be hard, I guess, you know, until we see it really play out, but with the no fans in the stadium, have you heard? Are they going to, like, do anything interesting, like... Fan know, noise. Yeah, fan noise, or make some... Like, <laughs> how, how do you make that more interesting so it, it's it's almost as good as usual playoff hockey? 
personally, I would welcome uh, the, the crowd noise. I, I don't have a problem with music like a lacrosse game that you might go to at the Dome and, you know, it's just kind of ongoing. But I have not heard any specifics yet other than the fact that uh, you won't see anything more team-wise in attendance more than 50 people. And when you start, that, that's as far as an organization. So you've got your team, your black aces, your medical training staff, equipment guys, um, a PR guy. Um, you've got uh, likely one or two execs, hockey ops. And so you're not going to go past 50 there. Um, and as far as media, we haven't gotten to that yet, to be totally truthful with you. Um, it wouldn't surprise me when you start thinking about what Sportsnet has and NBC has and the spots that will or will not be available. What will that look like? Will it be someone like myself or Scott Oak on one of these hubs? I don't know. Um, certainly the walk-off interviews have potentially changed uh, to maybe headsets and possibly uh, uh, Zoom-type things for post-game. Interesting, um, yeah. Yeah, so there's still... Totally truthful. There's still a lot of logistics that have to be worked out. And I can tell you that at where we sit during the time of this conversation, those hub cities have not been nailed down. So um, as far as camera angles, effects, I look at it as a real opportunity to go about it differently. Access will be key. Now, you're not going to necessarily have as many camera people as you would like, but robotics and mounted stuff. I mean, maybe guys are mic'd up more. Maybe we see something here that's that's more unique than we've ever seen. And some ideas in the NHL, you know, you got to give credit for the way they're always trying to, to look at different things. And maybe this is somewhat of a, not a testing ground, but an opportunity. Yeah, totally. We've been advocates for, for hearing players mic'd up. I mean, we'd be both willing to pay. The amount of money I would, I would pay to have players like fully mic'd up is absurd. Yeah. Make it a, you know, make it a certain age restriction where there's is really, you know, no censorship. But imagine you could hear the on ice that be back amazing. and forth between Matthew Kachuk and Drew Doughty all game. Like. Uh, yeah, I don't see that happening. Uh, um, but it would be spicy, and you'd need uh, some type of platinum <laughs> membership to, uh, to yeah. get that. Well, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be willing. I'd be willing. I'd be willing. That's next level entertainment. I well, just. The guy in the uh, in the box, the cameraman in the box, um, in between the two benches. Yeah, he'll come out after because he'll do the the walk off interview with me and the player that we decide to choose uh, to chat with rather. And sometimes he just comes off. He's the guy. He's got the helmet on in between, and uh, he'll come off and he'll just be shaking his head at the things he hears <laughs> and sees. So yeah, it's, I bet. <laughs> there are those who get that access, but not many, and it is spicy. Yeah, that's amazing. Just one quick question, a bit of inside baseball qu question here. How many, like, what's the media, like, how many media people are usually traveling, like, at, at one game, how many media members are usually there? I'm just a little curious. Uh, like, well, do you have a rough estimate? Plane, there's myself, uh, Rick Ball, and and uh, Kelly Rudy, and then on the radio side, you have their two, uh, their tandem. Um, you'll have uh, Flames Web, which would be a camera and a reporter and a uh, social media person so that's the that travels with the team and then you'll have your uh newspaper guy you or person i should say because that's one of usually now it, it's quite condensed so there's one or two people um, depending on what their angle is um, that will fly in and, and be the beat person for their respective paper 
locally is in that market. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting way to you know you see everybody every day and you know, Kelly travels so much. I think you guys had him on your show. He uh, doesn't matter where we are, he'll zip out of there say by the Thursday, and he'll head right to Toronto to get ready for the studio show on Saturday. And then uh, sometimes we'll still be on the road and he'll leave there. And depending on where we are, he'll come right back and join the team. And so he's all over the place. I should point out Cassie Campbell, too, when Kelly isn't involved. Cassie uh, will either meet us somewhere or, or join us as well. Yeah, and Kelly did mention he was pretty grateful that was Cassie could relieve him more this year because the travel has been hard on him. Oh, it's, I don't know how he does it. It's incredible. Yeah. So what is what does the day in the life kind of look like for you? Uh, I guess the game days and, and off days are probably a little bit different, but can you kind of give us uh, the scoop on how that how that looks? Yeah, game days at home are, uh, sorry, I should say non-game days at home are, are pretty basic. You know, you get to the rink for practice, you usually get there uh, just before 10, and then uh, you kind of hammer it out. If there's two teams that are practicing, you take in both and you get whatever sound and you know, whatever report you're trying to do for the day. And uh, you get that filed away, and uh, and then that's it. Game days at home are a little bit more challenging because, you know, you've got to do all of that. And there are a lot of different requests. I mean, a lot of different shows. It could be a Tim and Sid thing. It could be a Hockey Central thing. It could be for, uh, you know, the news side of it for us. Um, it could be NHL Network. you got to come back in the middle of the afternoon. And then once all that's done, uh, you go home and you kind of, for me, I pick up the kids and kind of get them ready. And then, uh, and then you head back to the rink. I'm usually there uh, before five. And that's when, you know, I'll do some voicing. I'll voice the opening tease to the show and, and kind of go over everything. Because on top of, you know, all of the news and reports that you have to do, you also have to come up with, I like to come up with at least six or seven really good story ideas that can be thrown into the show. Yeah. So it's one thing to have uh, Rick and Kelly doing the play-by-play, and I think they're two of the very best in the business, but you better have something to contribute to. Right. And you're not just reading, you know, promos, you know, about shop and swipe. You know, you better have some, you better have some interesting little tidbits. It doesn't have to be long, because the thing, guys, is you only have tops 30 seconds to get something in. Right. Uh, sometimes it's twenty. Sometimes it's in between a puck, a stop, or a, you know, a stoppage in play, and, and I just never want to talk over the plays in case something happens and you're talking about you know the curve on somebody's stick. You Thank you that. for that. So you you got to be able to get it in quick. There's a bit of pressure, and the thing is, you know, you go back and you're not in a rhythm or a conversation. You got to wait for your opportunity, and then you better nail it, and uh, and then you got to go cold again and wait, and so. It's one thing to get in a rhythm and just kind of keep going. It's another to kind of stop and then have to get that stuff in there. So it makes it challenging. It makes it fun. It uh, It is honestly one of the very best jobs in the league. I just love it. Yeah. And uh, I work with some of the very best people. And I'm not just saying that. I, I truly mean it. I'm very lucky to work with, uh, with so many good ones like Rick and Kelly and Cassie and so many great folks behind the scenes as well. We have some of the best producers going. So, and and great guys and girls in the truck who are just pros and just do it all. Um, so we're really lucky, and um, and hopefully get back to normal because I liked the way normal was for 
our side of things in the past. So I hope it uh, I hope it comes back. Totally. And then you, of course you got the intermission. That's kind of more like a you know a riff, I guess. Eh? Just based on how the game's going so far. Yeah, at home it's it's different because there's three of us. Uh, some and on the road sometimes I do have somebody like Francis join me. Yeah. Depending on his travel schedule, and that's you know that's great because you got to fill those things. You got to fill those intermissions. There's studio support in Toronto, but uh, there's still a chunk of time left for us. So at home, it's great. We've been able to incorporate some guys like Corey Sarich and yeah. Matt Stage, and we had um, Chris Versteeg <laughs> in a limited time, who I thought was brilliant and is going to go as far as he wants to go. Love working with Stage and Sarich as well. Just just good guys, good stories, and they're learning the craft. But the one thing that they have that that not a lot of guys, a lot of people do, is they can tell stories, and they've they've been around, and they're not afraid to sort of throw it in there. Not just analytically, but just stories. And and personally, I, that's what I want. I want to, you know, I want to hear stuff that I had no idea because everybody's got an opinion on the breakout player, the power play, or whatever it is. But, to me, good television is good stories and, and pointing out some things maybe that during the game we didn't notice and we wouldn't know. Maybe tendencies of players they played with. Here's why Johnny does this because he, you know, he oh, watched for this, whatever it is. So uh, it's great to have some experts. It's great to have some opinion. Uh, agree or disagree with a guy like Francis. He's not afraid to throw it out there and he really doesn't care <laughs> if you agree or not. So that makes it fun. And, uh, and I can kind of just... Um, guide it along and take shots at all of them so it makes it makes it fun <laughs> yeah i know you do a good job with that it, it, it is it's good to get those player perspectives that really you know without it you're kind of just guessing really but it's cool mm-hmm. yeah well they, i mean in this country everybody knows or at least feels they know and that's great that's passion that's those are people tuning in yeah but uh, here's the one thing i've learned over the years of being around the rink every day all day and every night holiday weekend whatever it is you think you know everybody thinks they know yeah but you don't know like the players know yeah and and i'll tell you what it was a there was a term i heard year heard years ago and it's so true players know they just know and if you care about the game you listen to it some of it's cliche but in moments you know like where you can sit and talk to a guy like stage or sarchi or or Stieg, or, you know, guys on any panel, certainly Kelly, they know different because they were there. And, you know, I I can tell you what it's like, I guess, to go to the moon because I watched it on TV or, you know, go into space, but I don't know. I, yeah. I wasn't there. <laughs> and uh, it's the same with hockey. And, you know, we're around it every day, and I still learn, and I still uh, enjoy. And I think the key is to strike that balance of, having something to say but I never want to come off as the expert so there are those who are okay in that role and I'll defer to them perfect and I think that's a great place to jump into getting into some of your Instagram lives that you were doing a a while ago oh my god (laughs) oh my god okay so which one let's just broadly speaking I I know Versteeg's was insane yeah (laughs) because I watched the whole thing what stood out to you the most about that? Because, like, okay, I knew Christopher Stieg was a character. Oh, but yeah. seeing him in in that venue, I had no idea. What's the deal with Christopher Stieg? 
absolute beauty for beauty and uh yeah and honestly smart and self-deprecating and real and he comes from you know southern alberta and he had to battle and nothing came easy i mean he's not a physical specimen and he's a two-time stanley cup champion he's played in every market good bad canadian you know, invisible, whatever it is, uh, he's, he's played there and he's played. If you think about resumes, look around the league um, or look around the networks and look at who everybody has on their panels. Some are really good. Yeah. Some are really good. And then and then you look at, okay, well, they're well-spoken. They got great stories. What's, what did they do in this game? And you start to, I'm not sure anybody has a better resume than Versteeg to be out there talking about what he knows and what he went through. Um, he's played with the best, the very best. And uh, and I got a lot of respect for him. I consider him a friend. I've been working with him the last few years. I'm trying to convince him. And, you know, they had to cut the skates off him to get him done with the game. But once that happened, uh, you know, I, he's been really keen on – he's got a real eye. Like, he, he watches what the NBA does, and yeah. he really thinks yeah. that we should be going a little bit more of that route. And I don't totally. think he's wrong. So, yeah, it's uh, it's fun to work with him. It's fun to see him on our trade deadline coverage back in Toronto. I thought he was dynamite with the exit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, yeah, I think he'll go as far as he wants. So, yeah, those those lives, though, I thought kind of pulled the curtain back a little bit. And uh, you got to see some of the things that I know about some of these guys. And I thought, you know, Troy Power was fantastic. Uh, he was great i thought camillary had some good stuff he just wanted to yak uh, <laughs> even the captain mark giordano had some neat insight um, i thought milan lucic was good you know he's if you ever get a chance to you know listen to him or be around him he's just fascinating to me another guy who's done a lot in the game um so jesus there's so many i'm i'm trying to recall all but uh, we were banging out quite a bit there. Yeah, Rasmus's was great. Ra- like, that yeah, one was fantastic. Was good. You're right. And that didn't surprise me. Um, you just, because he is so good. And, you know, he got a, a vote from me for this year's Good Guy Award. I just think that that's a young player who can run his mouth, back it up. He can break it down uh, articulately and, uh, and intelligently and, yeah, he wasn't afraid to sort of tell you how he felt about the Battle of Alberta, that's for sure. That was, like, that's the, I think that was clipped. I saw it on Reddit when you asked, when you were like, you guys aren't over there hugging James Neal, and he just gives that look off camera and it just smirks. Oh, my God, that was just brilliant. It was so good. Yeah. So those. Yeah, you know what? Honestly, guys, like, I'm really lucky in that you get to work with the people I've mentioned. But I'm also really lucky because... Inside that Flames locker room, and I know this is a Flames-oriented podcast, I'll be totally honest with you. It is such a harmonious group right now, and um, it has been in the past. It was last year as well, um, but this year it's a it's a group that really, really enjoys one another. And from our standpoint, I mean, I've been around some of these guys their entire, well, most of them their entire careers, and uh, and so you get to see them. And I I do have to tip my cap to the PR staff. Of, Hanlon, Kelso, uh, Dalton as well. I mean, these guys are, are just pros at every level. And the access that we've been afforded during this pause is unparalleled to, you know, other teams. So they get it. 
we have a great working relationship. Your living holds a weekly call, and it's not so much necessarily because he has news. It's he's checking in on people. He's you know if you do have a question, he's there. It's a conversation versus a a press conference. So um, it's a it's a really healthy, good group of players, management, hockey ops, and support staff that really make it uh, what it is. And I don't know, maybe you guys, I should be asking you guys, because, you know, you watch it through a different lens, and when you see it, uh, the access of what you get and what you hear, I would imagine you'd agree that it's probably better than most teams. Well, we've, we've said this a few times this year, that if you go around the club and you look at all the different characters and personalities... We're pretty certain, like, there's they're probably not maybe a ha- small handful of teams in the league that have more more personality. Yeah, I mean, you got yeah. you got Riddick, Rasmus Anderson, Matthew Kachuk. I mean, those guys in and of themselves can carry enough personality for a whole club. The guys got like Ronaldo, Lucic, and then yeah, even Travis Hamonic. I mean, you know, there, there's just a lot of personality there, as you mentioned, and a lot of pros and a lot of people who. And I, and I really do think that speaks to um, the relationship the players have with the PR staff as well. It's yeah. a Canadian market. It'd be real easy to, you know, kind of avoid, but um, yeah. but they don't. And um, I think we all are better off because of it. And one thing I've noticed is that it, it creates um, quite a number of different fan favorites. That's what we've kind of noticed is like... Mm. Not everybody just loves Kachuk. They love David Riddick and they love Rasmus Anderson. And everybody has their own little fan club just because they have so much character. Well, Chucky is just like yeah. a 35-year-old who's been in the league forever, right? <laughs> like, he comes by it honestly. His dad is one of the all-time, all-world beauties. Um, and Matthew doesn't fall far from that tree, that's for sure. And um, I think the, the entire organization and the fan base... I mean, they just, when they selected him, yeah, they were due for some luck, and they got some luck. Yeah, Interesting. I'll, I'll tell you how that happened, and maybe you've read about it, but I happened to be right there on the floor when it was all going down. And kind of a neat story that I think I'm going to try and push to make more of a, I don't know if it's a documentary, certainly a feature come one of these draft days, and that's how the whole thing went down. When you think about how lucky Canadian teams were, right, you had... You had Toronto with the first overall. You had, uh, what was it, Winnipeg uh, at two. Uh, Columbus was three. Um, Edmonton and Edmonton, Edmonton was four. Vancouver's five, Calgary six. So yeah. when are you going to see that many Canadian teams right there? And the draft class was stocked. Yeah. Okay? So I can tell you the Calgary Flames thought they were getting Ole Olevi. Right. At that, you know, heading in that day. Yeah. Now, Drew Living was certainly going to try and move up. And I talked to him, and I happened to be right on the floor beside him when he started talking to Kekalainen in Columbus. Columbus did think that, you know, they didn't know if they were going to keep that pick or if they were going to go down. They wanted Dubois. I found it fascinating because Kekalainen's finished. They didn't want Pugliarvi, who's mm. also a Finn. So the Finn doesn't want the Finn. He obviously knows something. Mm-hmm. He's talking to True Living. They have history together. I think they were roommates back in the day. And... The thought was, I just don't think the guy we want is going to be available at six, according to Columbus. So, all of a sudden, you know, Leafs are jumping in and around. You know, Edmonton's there. Uh, I can remember being 
at the dome when Matthew came in for his visit, walked into the, you know, this is a summer, and walked in the back. He thought he was going to Edmonton. Mm-hmm. And that's no surprise. I think he was ta- I think he was talking to Noodles and the boys about how he saw a jersey with his name coming yeah. ripped off. And, you know, all of a sudden this thing, the whole thing that upset it was Dubois goes three. Right. Well, at that point, the moment Dubois went three, Edmonton knew they were going to take Koyarvi. And all of a sudden, Calgary automatically knew that Vancouver was going to take Yolevi. Um, so they knew that Kachuk was literally falling to them the moment Dubois went three. I remember... And everybody I re- knew it at that point, and it was just like, whoa, I what, rem- what's happening here? Is this... Okay, escape, you quickly, it's funny. Everybody quickly goes, what's the knock? Well, okay, well, he can't yeah. that. Wait a minute. You know, Memorial Cup champ, great bloodlines, just an agitator, and all he's got the intangibles. So Calgary got the player they truly needed. Totally. I remember the collective gasp in the stadium when Vancouver did not select Kachuk. And I was like, shit, I think we got, we got lucky. But, yeah, I, I, I don't think anybody anticipated him to be as effective as he is. Um, maybe Calgary's the perfect suit for him, but they, like we've talked about this, we think there's a, a true debate. Like if you were to redraft, a lot of teams are going to pick Chucky over Liney in, in, from our perspective. I mean... I don't think you're crazy to suggest that, and I think it would depend on who had two. Would Winnipeg take Kachuk over Liney? I'm not so certain. I, I don't know, but would other teams? Yes. I think that there's a case to be made there. You know, they have that sort of, I don't want to say grit, but they got a sniper in line A. Yeah. And, you know, his game has gone up, it's gone down, it's gone well-rounded. He, you know, there's you watch him and you just you marvel at how he can get that puck off his stick. It's incredible. And will he score 60 goals? Matthew Kachuk said so. He thinks line A will score 60. Yeah. So, I don't know. It depends. But certainly, he's going three. Yeah. Oh, totally. This is a player who cares. This is a player who's good in the community. This is a player who will do anything to win. And Calgary desperately needed that intangible that Kachuk brings. Yeah. Obviously, he doesn't mind being a target. Like, he really doesn't. No, he thrives on it, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's amazing just to see him. He's done it, you know, a handful of times this year, especially where he literally just kind of takes control of the entire game um, in his own unique way. It's, it's, it's really cool to watch. Oh, I'll never forget that goal. Nobody will, including you guys in Nashville, yeah. between the legs and the winner. It was just... <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so funny because I've seen... I, I Up until that point, I hated that between legs because he tried it so much. Like, he tries it all the time. It would drive me crazy as a fan. I'm just like, stop trying that... And then he tries it in overtime in his score, and I was like, "Oh my god, I might die!" Like it's just so funny how your mind gets changed like that when he finally pulls it off. Oh, that was incredible. Yeah. And like, what do you see? Like, I know he's. We kind of know what Matthew Kachuk is right now. Where do you like? What's the ceiling for this guy? Like, what it? What is Matthew Kachuk going to look like in in five years? Because I think we all agree he's probably going to be the next captain. He's. I think he's going to be. A career flame, hopefully. Like, what does Matthew Kachuk's game look like five years down the road? Because, like, I'm honestly looking at his progression to this point. Like, he could be one of he could be one of the best Calgary Flames to ever play, based on what we've seen so far. 
based on yeah, his. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of time to go, as we all know. And yeah. Who knows where he ends up to, uh, in his career in terms of location? But you know, he is going to be what you see now. But I think with more, um, I don't know the word. I just, I just think it. His game matures. I think we've already seen that a yeah. lot. Um, I think his body becomes a bit more of a factor. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be as tough as his brother or the way, or the way, when his old man played. Mm-hmm. But um, but he's a leader, and I think the leadership comes in. And I I don't know as though he has to ever down the road get his hands dirty with a guy like he did up north. Yeah, I think he's going to be one of those players that could. You know, the kind you love to hate, but maybe even that wears off a little bit. Maybe it becomes a little bit more the guy you respect no matter where. And I think that's kind of where we're headed with it. And I think people are afraid of him um, on the ice. I think uh, fans are fascinated by him. I think he's polarizing. And uh, I just think in time, you're going to see him become even more of a leader. And I think he could be a very useful recruiting tool. He is very plugged in around the league, and I think players know him. He's that guy that you kind of gravitate towards. Um, you know, he's played with a lot of guys who come through the program, the U.S. Development Program, and uh, they know they know what kind of a person he is as well as what kind of a player he is. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Just to follow up a little bit on that recruiting point, like something that I found really interesting about your chat with with Lucic was the fact that he talked about it, like how hard the Flames tried to recruit him. I I thought that was so interesting. Like, can you give us any like kind of insight? Like, is that obviously that's a thing that happens? Maybe a lot more than fans know. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, there was a lot of conversation with it, and uh, there were a lot of people who called Luch to say, hey, look, you're going to like Calgary. It's not just, you know, what you've experienced up in Edmonton. It's not that. And it's a different town, a different vibe, a different group. Um, Jerome called them. McGratton called them. You know, Versteeg called them. Certainly True Living called them. And there was some heat on there. And uh, and at first, yeah, I can tell you, and I think I brought up in that conversation, that, and I talked to Tree about it, who, you know, who was <laughs> – comical about it but just the idea of he threw everything at him and then Luch was kind of blowing him off going yeah yeah okay well listen thanks for the call um we'll uh, we'll be in touch you know one of those things yeah and so you know she was like geez I kind of threw my A game at him I better beat it up <laughs> even more here so um yeah I mean it's no different than than other players you've got to showcase what you have and um and you can be a part of something here and and I think um, Lucic felt that uh, that he could and he could get some time here but let's be honest too Jeff Ward was a very big factor he credits Jeff Ward for the success he's had in his career and they of course want to stand the cup together in Boston so Boston is near and dear to his heart still and I don't blame him anywhere you win it will be there uh, you'll still see the tattoo on Jeff Ward's uh, lower leg um, you'll walk together forever um, as the team you win with and now, if he can come here and he knows he's got some work to do here and is looking forward to it, I was going back and forth with him the other night. I know he's skating. I think he's skating with Gallagher uh, on the island somewhere. And uh, yeah, it's this guy. And, and listen, I'll see him in the hallways 
before the game. Some of the guys are stretching. Some of them are booting a ball around. He's got a face that will terrify you before the game. <laughs> and he'll just stare at you. Oh, and I God. just kind of give him a nod and let him do his thing and let him get himself mentally focused. And he, he, honestly, he's ready to go through a wall. So I think his value, you know, in talking to some of the other guys, they never feel they're getting run out of buildings. They never feel, you know, they got a, they know they got another key component to the leadership group. And you wait, you know, everybody was critical during the Battle of Alberta, and where was he? But there was some, there was some uh, mental note taking, and there was some trying to figure it out moments, and and some situational stuff. But I don't think we've seen the last of him in terms of his. Um, Effectiveness, shall we say? Well, it's been such an interesting thing because I know when that happened, like both of us, me especially, I was I was pissed that the Flames went out and acquired Lucic. I was really upset, and I realized the whole James Neal thing had to be resolved. But I was furious, and like he has been such a pleasant surprise. I think I know a lot of fans get on him, like you said, for the Edmonton game. But I mean, here's a guy who's come in. He's contributed offensively. He's been pretty good possession wise. Like. I have very little complaints about Milan Lucic, but I'm just curious from your perspective, because, I mean, previously you were talking about kind of like the PR and stuff like that. I'm just curious because when a trade like that happens, that I think, I think I can speak for most of the fan base, most of the fan base was pretty upset, I think, from what I've seen my friends, from my perspective, like, is there, like, an internal dialogue? Does Tree Living have a state? Is there any kind of, like, hey, we need to spin this to the fans or anyway? Like, how much does that come up? Is that a thing? Well, before I answer that, just remember as far as, you know, what you said about your reaction to that trade. And remember what I said earlier in this conversation about the players know? Right. Players knew that was the right deal. And you have to understand they're not just towing the line when they say we're happy they legitimately in that room and if you start adding up what you saw rasmus anderson say and react Mm -hmm. i'll just let you connect the dots the players welcome that trade now as far as spin i mean you don't need to spin you know you can look at it as the way i chose to look at it was two teams got exactly what they needed two teams got it now, James Neal has scored a bunch of goals in this league. It's not the first time a team has said goodbye to him. Lon Lucic is a high-priced guy, but you didn't bring him in for the offense. You brought him in for leadership. You brought him in for presence. You brought him in to mesh. And I think sometimes that gets lost in, in the eyes of certain fan base, uh, certain fans. Um, would you like... He, he is the first to say he wants to score more. That's not why you got him. And you know what? I can tell you, your living today would make that trade again. Well, it's weird because I would too now. Now I would, now that I've seen the difference. But it's just it's it's just so interesting how your perspective can change on that. Just like, oh yeah, it's it's, it's so weird. Like literally, I never would have thought. All, what do we do? We we just let our eyes and and our minds kind of tell us certain things, like. We either see what we see. You can't tell me different, Ryan. I see what I see. My eyes aren't lying to me. <laughs> but your eyes don't see everything. Yeah. Your eyes don't see in the room. Your eyes don't see on the plane. Your eyes don't see in practice. Your eyes don't see, you know, uh, group threads. You know, it, it, you have to, you have to, 
understand that there's so much more that goes on and we're all still learning or else we would be the GMs and not of a fantasy league team. We yeah. don't all know. I don't know. Uh, you know, people who are much smarter around the game than I am still don't like, there's a lot of good hockey minds out there and they still, you know, and that's why sometimes you get it right and sometimes you get it wrong. And it might seem easy when you get it wrong, but I know True Living wouldn't hesitate to make that move again and he loves to swing for the fences. And don't we love that about him? I mean, yeah. this, there's other GMs who don't make big splashes and take big cuts, but he wants to build a winner. And uh, we'll see how it happens, but he doesn't sleep very much and he he's never taken his foot off the gas. He's always thinking, always. I know him well enough personally and professionally to tell you, it never stops. Never. Do you see um, Taylor Hall potentially being a fit in the future? Is it going to be an opportunity? I don't know. Is be honest with you guys, I don't know if he wants, like he wants to win now, and hey, who doesn't? Um, and so that is an option for Calgary. Um, but I don't know, you know, he's done the Canadian market, you know, and you think I think he wants to know where he's close. You know, he's done New Jersey, he's done Edmonton, he's done Arizona. Um, did he ever feel close in any of those? I don't know. He's got ties and roots here, obviously. Um, they are close. He's going to want a big payday, although right now you wonder, is everybody going to have to settle for a little bit less given everything? And does he want to? Or does he want the bright lights of a New York or a Chicago or a... I don't know if he wants a Montreal, but I think he wants to go somewhere big. And that's just kind of hearsay from my end. Um, yeah. I don't think it's crazy talk, but I don't think it's likely. They did have discussions. You heard about it. It was true. There was talk and there was interest from Calgary's end. But that was then. Going forward now, that's a pretty big payday. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if I want that at this point. Yeah, I think with Hall, like I don't know, from from a lot of fans' perspective, it's like if he wanted to come here and would take a sweet deal to come here, I I don't see any fan who doesn't want Taylor Hall. But I don't think we want to be at this point going all out for a guy who's you know I don't know from my perspective almost thirty. You don't want to be paying paying ten million dollars for that personally. I don't think he's a little nicked up too. Yeah, so like if he if he hard miles on him. Oh, totally. So if he came to Calgary. I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying I, I totally understand. Like I, I don't think the Flames are going to be busting down the door to get Taylor Hall. So I think they'll kick tires on a lot of players, yeah. big names. Otherwise, free agents trade. I honestly don't. You know, the one thing about Brad is he does his due diligence. Yeah, and he wants the right fit. He wants good people, and he wants people who can get him over the hump at this point. So if uh, if that's a player that he feels he can do it, I'm certain that there will be more calls on that player. But uh, but I, I'm not holding my breath on that one for some reason. Yeah, I think what intrigues me about that is when when Edmonton traded for him, that really let a huge fire under his ass, and enough so that he was the most valuable player in the league. So to bring him back where the Battle of Alberta is, has been renewed, I mean, that would be... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that part intrigues me, but yeah. Is that a dog I heard in the background? It was me laughing, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds the same. Yeah. So before we let you go, thoughts on um, you know this twenty fourteen playoff format and and the Winnipeg Calgary matchup? Like, do you 
have you talked to any of the players yet? Do they excited about the, you know? Oh yeah, I mean some of them like it. I mean, but honestly, they'd like any matchup. They just want to yeah. get going. The guys I've talked to. So, um, I had a conversation with this with my Winnipeg counterpart, and he was, you know, chock full of of uh, referencing this year and and how they've been able to find their game and how the Flames haven't necessarily reached their potential. All very valid points, except. Throw it out the throw this thing out the window because yeah. there's been such a layoff. To me, it's not about if Winnipeg had a great ten game stretch or if Calgary won eight in a row or lost fifteen. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. So stop with the 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 building of the case where yeah. because of what happened this year, that's going to have some sort of bearing on what happens in this playoff format. It really doesn't. To me, it comes down, guys, to a few things. Are you going to get the goaltending? Is David Riddick or Cam Talbot, depending on who carries the bulk of the mail, somebody makes a name for themselves in the postseason. Is it going to be one of those two? Because Big Save Dave was an all-star this year. Cam Talbot was coming on. The workload for David might have been a little tough. Yeah, He wanted to play 60 games. Um, meanwhile, Hellebuck uh, in Winnipeg is, is a proven goaltender right now. But a year ago, there were some questions about him. So which version of the goalies are you going to get? And which stars find their game the quickest? Where does the rust get knocked off? Who can get off the couch? Who's in great shape? And where do you get the goaltending? To me, that's all it comes down to. And you can go position by position. Calgary might have the advantage on the blue line, maybe a little deeper, maybe a little better. Maybe you give the nod to Winnipeg between the pipes and up front. Sure, Winnipeg's probably a little bit bigger, but I don't know if they necessarily play it. Do they want to lean on teams come the postseason? We'll see, but I don't think Calgary's ever been intimidated by Winnipeg's size, even when they had Buffalo in the lineup. And they've had success against them. So they're close in points. They're different teams. To me, is Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monaghan, and Mark Giordano going to find a way to have playoff success, get over the hump, I don't think any Flames fan liked what they saw against Colorado a year ago. And uh, now can those guys find another level to their game when it, you know, is totally bizarre, bizarro type format. So that to me is what it comes down to the realities of it. Not, not necessarily the matchup. Yeah, I totally agree. Cause it's, it's crazy because everyone's like, Oh, the Flames were getting on a roll there towards the end. It's like, doesn't matter. No, like it doesn't matter. Like this is a whole it new might thing. For confidence, it might for hey. Remember what we were doing, guys. We made some systematic changes here, and that was really working for us. That for sure. Yeah. But momentum right now it's ceased. Yeah. And like I think you mentioned that you a few players are still working out. We know Gio will probably come back in good shape, but oh jeez. Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but yeah, Dubé's here. Um, Michael Stone, and that's it. Um, everybody else is is back home. I was. Talking to Noah Hannafin the other day, doing well. Obviously, you see Kachuk every two minutes on some sort of uh, <laughs> at home with stuck with the Kachuks or whatever. They're they're staying active. I know certain guys the the Swedes are skating. If you look at Oliver Shillington's feed, he's just giving it right now. So, and I know a guy like Travis Hammock is you know out at his cottage and he's putting in the work as well. So there's a lot of guys who you know. I hate to say nothing of the fact that we mentioned a couple, but free agents and. They're playing for jobs too, so um, there's a lot of motivation here. 
one team is going to go home far too quick, not just one, yeah. in those play-in matchups. Um, there's going to be teams that go home too quick after after all this. So I don't think they want to, you know, they obviously want to prolong this whole thing. So goaltending, fitness, and which stars find their game. Yes, yeah, just one quick question on, on Gaudreau, Monaghan, and, and Giordano, like you mentioned. I don't know, because what do you think went wrong last year? Because I kind of hear this refrain from a few people. It's like, oh, Gaudreau has never been able to perform in the playoffs, and neither is Monaghan. And I kind of, like, if you look back at their playoff history, like, I look back at the 2015 year, they were both very excellent, I think. I thought Monaghan was at, they got swept by the Ducks, but I really thought Sean Monaghan was good in that series. So I really think it was just something that happened last year. Like, do you have any ideas as to, like, what those guys need to do this round, like you said, like, what is it? Like, is it just, like, I, I can't put my finger on it. Like, yeah, last year was so weird. The three of them just don't have a ton of playoff experience. Yeah, I guess so. They just don't have a lot of games under their belt. Yeah. Also, um, it's not, you know, easy to play that time of year, at this time of year. And um, teams find a way. It's a different season, and teams find a different way to play harder. And I think if you talk to those guys, talk to Sean Monaghan last year about it, he's just sick and tired of it. And, you know, health is always a factor. To his credit, he has played he mangled uh, in the postseason in the past. But but no excuses. They have to be better when it gets harder. Yeah. And that remains to be seen. And they will tell you the same. This is not me bad-mouthing or making excuses. They know they have to be better when it matters and when it gets hard. And I'll give full credit to Nathan McKinnon, who, for me, if I was starting a team today with given players, uh, where players are right now in their careers and their ages, I start with that guy. No. He just does not accept mediocre. He does not accept it being just okay. If he sees something he doesn't like in practice, he loses it. I like that. I want that accountability because he backs it up. You remember when he got in a verbal... Yeah. uh, Do your job! ...on the... uh, Yeah on the bench and I asked Jared Bednar privately about that before one of the playoff games I said, you know not to bring up old news but looking back at that what, what's your takeaway he goes I like it I like that he cared that much now yeah. do we wish it was as public no but you know what he cares and it's okay that uh, it was heated and I saw him do that in practice just pulled it So, everybody, hello, how's it going? Welcome to the In The Dome podcast. My name is Michael, you know Jordan. We are very happy to be joined by one of the best, if not the best in the business today, Mr. Ryan Leslie. How's it going today? Guys, good to be with you. It's going okay. Uh, I mean, I think it'll be a lot better for everybody once uh, the game returns, but it's still sounding encouraging, so we'll we'll keep the faith. Yeah, 2020 has been just a roller coaster year. For the Calgary Flame players and fans, um, on and off the ice. So, like you said, it's gonna be nice to get back to some normalcy, and hopefully, this twenty-four game or team playoff format is gonna be really exciting. Yeah, you know what? I, I think there's a lot of intrigue, at least for me and some of the people that I've chatted with, about is it normal? No, this whole year isn't normal. But no. this format has a little intrigue for me, and 
like the fact that, uh, you know, all but one Canadian team uh, will be in the, the postseason. I don't have a problem with any of the matchups. I don't have a, you know, I'm not going to nitpick as, as far as the format. I, I, I say bring it on. And uh, there are certainly reasons why some teams may not like it, and certain fan bases may say they got ripped off from something. But uh, for the most part, I'm just hopeful that if this thing all comes to fruition and, and we're back watching hockey in any capacity, you know, you got to beat the best to be the best. And I, I just think it doesn't really matter at this point. Let's just get the game back in a healthy scenario where uh, whatever it looks like, without fans, hub cities, uh, matchups I've never dreamed of, uh, great for the game, great for television, great for the fans. We'll have something to watch over the summer. Let's just do it. Yeah, totally agree. I I agree with you, and I, I I'm kind of a few questions on that because I, I are you surprised at all that the NHL has kind of been like the first one to kind of like put out their plan as the first like big league to be back? Because I know that kind of blew me away. I was like, I can't believe they are the first ones. Yeah, well, on a couple of fronts, the way I see it, anyhow, guys, is that first of all, it kind of needs to. I know it's important for Gary. He has been relentless with this. Um, you know, obviously, they're in a different situation than, than other leagues. And they do, you know, they do need this, uh, the television side of it going forward. Um, they've got to get it back up and running as far as, um, we know fans won't be in the building, but, you know, going forward into next year, uh, it is gate-driven. They need that revenue. So as far as the postseason is concerned now, I, I just think it lines up. You know, baseball's got their own infighting going on. The NBA has the luxury of not having to press panic. Um, they can kind of sit back and, and it sounds as though that it's getting close to. Um, they were kind of the leaders, as we all recall, of, of everything shutting down in professional sports here in North America. And it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest, if the NBA going forward has a later start. I don't know as though they necessarily need to get going. You know, in the CFL, everybody always says the Season doesn't start till Labor Day. Well, in the NBA, it sort of feels as though they don't really need to get going for a next season, anyhow, uh, until November, December. And I wonder if that happens going forward. But as far as the NHL is concerned, um, there's some deals that have to get done. The revenue is important. And I think Gary's just been really relentless on solutions. And for that, I guess we should applaud it. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts? It's going to be hard, I guess, you know, until we see it really play out. But with the no fans in the stadium, have you heard? Are they going to, like, do anything interesting? like Fan know, noise. Yeah, fan noise or make some – like, how, how do you make that more interesting so it, it's, it's almost as good as usual playoff hockey? Personally, I would welcome uh, the, the crowd noise. I, I don't have a problem with music like a – lacrosse game that you might go to at the Dome and, you know, it's just kind of ongoing. But I have not heard any specifics yet other than the fact that uh, you won't see anything more team-wise in attendance more than 50 people. And when you start, that that's as far as an organization. So you've got your team, your black aces, your medical training staff, equipment guys, um, a PR guy. Um, you've got uh, likely one or two execs, hockey ops, and so you're not going to go past 50 there. Um, and as far as media, we haven't gotten to that yet, to be totally truthful with you. Um, it wouldn't surprise me when you start thinking about what Sportsnet has and NBC has and the spots that will or will not be available. And what will that look like? Will it be 
someone like myself or Scott Oak on one of these hubs? I don't know. Um, certainly, the walk-off interviews have potentially changed uh, to maybe headsets and possibly uh, uh, Zoom-type things for post-game. Interesting, um, yeah. Yeah, so there's still totally truthful. There's still a lot of logistics that have to be worked out. And I can tell you that at where we sit during the time of this conversation, those hub cities have not been nailed down. So um, as far as camera angles, effects, I look at it as a real opportunity to go about it differently. Access will be key. Now, you're not going to necessarily have as many camera people as you would like, but robotics and mounted stuff. I mean, maybe guys are mic'd up more. Maybe we see something here that's, that's more unique than we've ever seen. And some ideas in the NHL, you know, you got to give credit for the way they're always trying to to look at different things. And maybe this is somewhat of a, not a testing ground, but an opportunity. Yeah, totally. We've been advocates for, for hearing players mic'd up. I mean, we'd be both willing to pay. The amount of money I would, I would pay to have players like fully mic'd up is absurd. Yeah. Make it a... You know, make it a certain age, age restriction where there's is really, you know, no censorship. But imagine you could hear the on ice that would be back amazing. and forth between Matthew Kachuk and Drew Doughty all game. Like. Uh, yeah, I don't see that happening. Yeah. Um, but it would be spicy, and you'd need uh, some type of platinum <laughs> membership to, uh, to yeah. get that. Well, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be willing. I'd be willing. I'd be willing. That's, that's next level entertainment. I well, just. The guy in the uh, in the box, the cameraman in the box, um, in between the two benches. Yeah. He'll come out after because he'll do the the walk off interview with me and the player that we decide to choose uh, to chat with rather. And sometimes he just comes off. He's the guy. He's got the helmet on in between, and uh, he'll come off and he'll just be shaking his head at the things he hears <laughs> and sees. So yeah, it's, I bet. <laughs> there are those who get that access, but not many, and it is spicy. Yeah, that's amazing. Just one quick question, a bit of inside baseball qu- question here. How many, like, what's the media, like, how many media people are usually traveling, like, at, at one game, how many media members are usually there? I'm just a little curious. Uh, like, well, do you have a rough estimate? There's myself, uh, Rick Ball, and and uh, Kelly Rudy, and then on the radio side, you have their two, uh, their tandem. Um, you'll have uh, Flames Web, which would be a camera and a, reporter and a uh, social media person so that's the that travels with the team and then you'll have your uh newspaper guy you or person i should say because that's one of usually now it, it's quite condensed so there's one or two people uh, depending on what their angle is um, that will fly in and, and be the beat person for their respective paper um and then whatever locally is in that market so yeah it's it's uh, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting way to you know you see everybody every day and you know, Kelly travels so much I think you guys had him on your show he uh, it doesn't matter where we are he'll zip out of there say by the Thursday and he'll head right to Toronto to get ready for the studio show on Saturday and then uh, sometimes we'll still be on the road and he'll leave there and depending on where we are he'll come right back join the team and so he's all over the place i should point out cassie campbell too when kelly isn't involved cassie uh will either meet us somewhere or or join us as well yeah kelly did mention he was pretty grateful that was cassie could relieve him more this year because the travel has been hard on him oh it's i don't know how he does it it's incredible yeah 
So what is what does the day in the life kind of look like for you? Uh, I guess the game days and, and off days are probably a little bit different, but can you kind of give us uh, the scoop on how that how that looks? Yeah, game days at home are, uh, sorry, I should say non-game days at home are, are pretty basic. You know, you get to the rink for practice, you usually get there uh, just before 10, and then uh, you kind of hammer it out. If there's two teams that are practicing, you take in both and you get whatever sound and you know, whatever report you're trying to do for the day. And uh, you get that filed away, and uh, and then that's it. Game days at home are a little bit more challenging because, you know, you've got to do all of that. And there are a lot of different requests. I mean, a lot of different shows. It could be a Tim and Sid thing. It could be a Hockey Central thing. It could be for, uh, you know, the news side of it for us. Um, it could be NHL Network. you got to come back in the middle of the afternoon. And then once all that's done, uh, you go home and you kind of, for me, I pick up the kids and kind of get them ready. And then, uh, and then you head back to the rink. I'm usually there uh, before five. And that's when, you know, I'll do some voicing. I'll voice the opening tees to the show and, and kind of go over everything. Because on top of, you know, all of the news and reports that you have to do, you also have to come up with, I like to come up with at least six or seven really good story ideas that can be thrown into the show yeah so it's one thing to have uh, rick and kelly doing the play-by-play and i think they're two of the very best in the business but you better have something to contribute to and you're not just reading you know promos you know but shop and swipe you know you better have some you better have some interesting little tidbits doesn't have to be long because the thing guys is you only have tops 30 seconds to get something in right uh, sometimes it's twenty. Sometimes it's in between a puck, a stop, or a, you know, a stoppage in play, and, and I just never want to talk over the plays in case something happens and you're talking about you know the curve on somebody's stick. Thank you, you that. for that. So you you got to be able to get it in quick. There's a bit of pressure, and the thing is, you know, you go back and you're not in a rhythm or a conversation. You got to wait for your opportunity, and then you better nail it, and uh, and then you got to go cold again and wait, and so. It's one thing to get in a rhythm and just kind of keep going. It's another to kind of stop and then have to get that stuff in there. So it makes it challenging. It makes it fun. It uh, It is honestly one of the very best jobs in the league. I just love it. Yeah. And uh, I work with some of the very best people. And I'm not just saying that. I, I truly mean it. I'm very lucky to work with, uh, with so many good ones like Rick and Kelly and Cassie and so many great folks behind the scenes as well. We have some of the best producers going. So, and, and great guys and girls in the truck who are just pros and just do it all. Um, so we're really lucky. And um, and hopefully get back to normal because I liked the way normal was for our side of things in the past. So I hope it, uh, I hope it comes back. Totally. And then, you, of course, you got the intermission. That's kind of more like a, you know, a riff, I guess, eh? just based on how the game's going so far. Yeah, at home it's it's different because there's three of us. Uh, some and on the road, sometimes I do have somebody like Francis join me. Yeah, depending on his travel schedule, and that's you know that's great because you got to fill those things. You got to fill those intermissions. There's studio support in Toronto, but uh, there's still a chunk of time left for us. So at home, it's great. We've been able to incorporate some guys like Corey Sarich and. Yeah, Matt Stage, and we had um, Chris Versteeg <laughs> in a limited time, who I thought was brilliant and is going to go as far as he wants to go. 
love working with Stage and Sarich as well. Just just good guys, good stories, and they're learning the craft. But the one thing that they have that that not a lot of guys, a lot of people do is they can tell stories, and they've, they've been around, and they're not afraid to sort of throw it in there, not just analytically, but just stories. And, and personally, I, that's what I want. I want to, you know, I want to hear stuff that I had no idea, because everybody's got an opinion on the breakout play or the power play or whatever it is. But to me, good television is good stories and, and pointing out some things maybe that during the game we didn't notice and we wouldn't know. Maybe tendencies of players they played with. Here's why Johnny does this, because he, you know, he oh, watch for this, whatever it is. So uh, it's great to have some experts. It's great to have some opinion. Uh, agree or disagree with a guy like Francis. He's not afraid to throw it out there and he really doesn't care <laughs> if you agree or not. So that makes it fun. And uh, and I can kind of just um, guide it along and take shots at all of them. So it makes makes it fun. <laughs> yeah, I know you do a good job with that. It, it, it is. It's good to get those player perspectives. That really, you know, without it, you're kind of just guessing, really. But it's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, in this country, everybody knows, or at least feels they know, and that's great. That's passion. That's those are people tuning in. Yeah. But. Uh, here's the one thing I've learned over the years of being around the rink every day, all day, and every night, holiday, weekend, whatever it is. You think you know. Everybody thinks they know. Yeah. But you don't know like the players know. Yeah. And and I'll tell you what, it was a there was a term I heard year, heard years ago and it's so true. Players know. They just know. And if you care about the game, you listen to it. Some of it's cliche, but in moments, you know, like where you can sit and talk to a guy like Stage or Sarchi or, or Stieg or, you know, guys on any panel, certainly Kelly, they know different because they were there. And, you know, I I can tell you what it's like, I guess, to go to the moon because I watched it on TV or, you know, go into space, but I don't know. I, yeah. I wasn't there. <laughs> and uh, it's the same with hockey. And, you know, we're around it every day, and I still learn – and I still uh, enjoy, and I think the key is to strike that balance of having something to say, but I never want to come off as the expert. So there are those who are okay in that role, and I'll defer to them. Perfect. And I think that's a great place to jump into getting into some of your Instagram lives that you were doing a, a while ago. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so which one, let's just... Get, Broadly speaking, I, I know Versteeg's was insane. Yeah. Because <laughs> I watched the whole thing. What stood out to you the most about that? Because, like, okay, I knew Chris Versteeg was a character. Oh, but yeah. seeing him in, in that venue, I had no idea. What's the deal with Chris Versteeg? Absolute beauty for beauty. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and honestly, smart and self-deprecating and real and he comes from, you know, southern Alberta, and he had to battle, and nothing came easy. I mean, he's not a physical specimen, and he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. He's played in every market, good, bad, Canadian, you know, invisible, whatever it is. Uh, he's, he's played there, and he's played. If you think about resumes, look around the league um, or look around the networks and look at who everybody has on their panels. Some are really good. Yeah. Some are really good. And then and then you look at, okay, well, 
they're well spoken. They got great stories. What's what did they do in this game? And you start to. I'm not sure anybody has a better resume than Versteeg to be out there talking about what he knows and what he went through. Um, he's played with the best, the very best, and uh, and I got a lot of respect for him. I consider him a friend. I've been working with him the last few years on trying to convince him. And, you know, they had to cut the skates off him to get him done with the game. But once that happened, uh, you know. I, He's been really keen on. He's got a real eye. Like he, he watches what the NBA does, and yeah. he really thinks yeah. that we should be going a little bit more of that route. And totally. I don't think he's wrong. So, yeah, it's uh, it's fun to work with him. It's fun to see him on our trade deadline coverage back in Toronto. I thought he was dynamite with the exit, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I think he'll go as far as he wants. So yeah, those those lives though, I thought kind of pulled the curtain back a little bit. And uh, you got to see some of the things that I know about some of these guys. And I thought, you know, Troy Power was fantastic. Uh, he was great. I thought Camilleri had some good stuff. He just wanted to yak. Uh, <laughs> even the captain, Mark Giordano, had some neat insight. Um, I thought Milan Lucic was good. You know, he's, if you ever get a chance to, you know, listen to him or be around him, he's just fascinating to me. Another guy who's done a lot in the game. Um, so, geez, there was so many. I'm, I'm trying to recall all of them, but uh, we were banging out quite a bit there. Yeah, Rasmus's was great. Ra- like, that yeah, one was fantastic. Rasmus was good, you're right. And that didn't surprise me. Um, you just, because he is so good. And, you know, he got a, a vote from me for this year's Good Guy Award. I just think that that's a young player who can run his mouth, back it up. He can break it down. Uh, articulately and uh, and intelligently and yeah he wasn't afraid to sort of tell you how he felt about the battle of alberta that's for sure that was like that's the i think that was clipped i saw it on reddit when you asked when you were like you guys aren't <laughs> over there hugging james neal and he just gives that look off camera and it just smirks oh my god that was just brilliant it was so good yeah. so those yeah you know what honestly guys like i'm really lucky in that you get to work with the people i've mentioned but I'm also really lucky because inside that Flames locker room, and I know this is a Flames-oriented podcast, I'll be totally honest with you. It is such a harmonious group right now, and um, it has been in the past. It was last year as well. Um, but this year, it's a it's a group that really, really enjoys one another. And from our standpoint, I mean, I've been around some of these guys their entire, well, most of them, their entire careers, and... Uh, and so you get to see them. And I, I do have to tip my cap to the PR staff of Hanlon, Kelso, uh, Dalton as well. I mean, these guys are, are just pros at every level. And the access that we've been afforded during this pause is unparalleled to, you know, other teams. So they get it. We have a great working relationship. True Living holds a weekly call. And it's not so much necessarily because he has news. It's he's checking in on people. He's you know if you do have a question, he's there. It's a conversation versus a a press conference. So um, it's a it's a really healthy, good group of players, management, hockey ops, and support staff that really make it uh, what it is. And I don't know, maybe you guys. I should be asking you guys because you know you watch it through a different lens, and when you see it, uh, the access of what you get and what you hear. I would imagine you'd agree that it's probably better than most teams. Well, we've we've said this 
a few times this year that if you go around the club and you look at all the different characters and personalities, we're pretty certain like there's they're probably not maybe a ha- small handful of teams in the league that have more more personality. Yeah. I mean, you got yeah. you got Riddick, Rasmus Anderson, Matthew Kachuk. I mean, those guys in and of themselves can carry enough personality for a whole club. The guys got like Ronaldo, Lucic, and then yeah, even Travis Hamonic. I mean, you know, there, there's just a lot of personality there, as you mentioned, and a lot of pros and a lot of people who, and I, and I really do think that speaks to. Um, the relationship the players have with the PR staff as well. It's yeah. a Canadian market. It'd be real easy to, you know, kind of avoid, but um, yeah. but they don't. And um, I think we all are better off because of it. And one thing I've noticed is that it, it creates um, quite a number of different fan favorites. That's what we've kind of noticed is like, mm. not everybody just loves Kachuk. They love David Riddick and they love Rasmus <laughs> Anderson and Everybody has their own little fan club just because they have so much character. Well, Chucky is just like yeah. a 35 year old who's been in the league forever, right? <laughs> like, he comes by it honestly. His dad is one of the all time, all world beauties. Um, and Matthew doesn't fall far from that tree, that's for sure. And um, I think the, the entire organization and the fan base, I mean, they just, when they selected him, yeah, they were due for some luck, and they got some luck. Yeah, interesting. I'll, I'll tell you how that happened, and maybe you've read about it, but I happened to be right there on the floor when it was all going down. And kind of a neat story that I think I'm going to try and push to make more of a. I don't know if it's a documentary, certainly a feature. Come one of these draft days, and that's how the whole thing went down. When you think about how lucky Canadian teams were, right? You had you had Toronto with the first overall. You had uh, what was it, Winnipeg? Everybody knew it at that point, and it was just 
Right. What, what's happening here? Is this okay? Is this you quickly, it's funny. Everybody quickly goes, "What's the knock?" Okay, well he can't. Yeah. Wait a minute. You know, Memorial Cup champ, great bloodlines, just an agitator, and all he's got the intangibles. So Calgary got the player they truly needed. Totally. I remember the collective gasp in the stadium when Vancouver did not select Kachuk. And I was like, shit, I think we got we got lucky. But, yeah, I, I, I don't think anybody anticipated him to be as effective as he is. Um, maybe Calgary's the perfect suit for him. But, they, like, we've talked about this. We think there's a, a true debate. Like, if you were to redraft, a lot of teams are going to pick Chucky over Liney, in, in, from our perspective. I mean... I don't think you're crazy to suggest that, and I think it would depend on who had two. Would Winnipeg take Kachuk over Line? I'm not so certain. I, I don't know, but would other teams? Yes. I think that there's a case to be made there. You know, they have that sort of, I don't want to say grit, but they got a sniper in Line. Yeah. And, you know, his game has gone up, it's gone down, it's gone well-rounded. He, you know, there's you watch him. And you just you marvel at how he can get that puck off his stick. It's incredible. And will he score sixty goals? Matthew Kachuk said so. He thinks Lining will score sixty. Yeah. So I don't know. It depends, but certainly he's going three. Yeah. And oh, totally. This is a player who cares. This is a player who's good in the community. This is a player who will do anything to win. And Calgary desperately needed that intangible that Kachuk brings. Yeah. Obviously... And he doesn't mind being a target. Like, he really doesn't. No, he thrives on it, right? Yeah. It's amazing just to see him. He's done it, you know, a handful of times this year, especially, where he literally just kind of takes control of the entire game um, in his own unique way. It's, it's, it's really cool to watch. Oh, uh, I'll never forget that goal. Nobody will, including you guys in Nashville, yeah. the between the legs and the winner. It was just... <laughs> yeah. Well, it's so funny because I've seen I I up until that point I hated that between legs because he tried it so much, like he tries it all the time. It would drive me crazy as a fan. I'm just like, stop trying that. And then he tries it in overtime in his score, and I was like, oh my god, I might die. Like it's just so funny how your mind gets changed like that when he finally pulls it off. Oh, that was incredible. Yeah. And like, what do you see? Like I know he's. We kind of know what Matthew Kachuk is right now. Where do you like? What's the ceiling for this guy? Like, what is, what is Matthew Kachuk going to look like in in five years? Because I think we all agree he's probably going to be the next captain. He's, I think he's going to be a career flame. Hopefully, like, what does Matthew Kachuk's game look like five years down the road? Because like, I'm honestly looking at his progression to this point. Like, he could be one of he could be one of the best Calgary Flames to ever play, based on what we've seen so far. Based on his, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of time to go, as we all know. And yeah. Who knows where he ends up to, uh, in his career in terms of location? But you know, he is going to be what you see now, but I think with more, um, I don't know the word. I just, I just think it, his game matures. I think we've already seen that a lot. Um, I think his body becomes a bit more of a factor. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be as tough as his brother or the way, or the way, when his old man played. Mm-hmm. But um, but he's a leader, and I think the leadership comes in. And I I don't know as though he has to ever down the road get his hands dirty with a guy like he did up north. 
Yeah. I think he's going to be one of those players that could, you know, the kind you love to hate, but maybe even that wears off a little bit. Maybe it becomes a little bit more the guy you respect no matter where. And I think that's kind of where we're headed with it. And I think people are afraid of him um, on the ice. I think uh, fans are fascinated by him. I think he's polarizing. And uh, I just think in time, you're going to see him become even more of a leader. And I think he could be a very useful recruiting tool. He is very plugged in around the league. And I think players know him. He's that guy that you kind of gravitate towards. Um, you know, he's played with a lot of guys who come through the program, the U.S. Development Program. And uh, they know they know what kind of a person he is as well as what kind of a player he is. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Just to follow up a little bit on that recruiting point, like something that I found really interesting about your chat with, with Lucic was the fact that he talked about it, like how hard the Flames tried to recruit him. I, I thought that was so interesting. Like, can you give us any like kind of insight? Like, is that, a, obviously that's a thing that happens maybe a lot more than fans know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a lot of conversation with it. And uh, there were a lot of people who called Luch to say, hey, look, you're going to like Calgary. It's not just, you know, what you've experienced up in Edmonton. It's not that. And it's a different town, a different vibe, a different group. Um, Jerome called him, McGratton called him, you know, Versteeg called him, certainly True Living called him, and there was some heat on there, and uh, and at first, yeah, I can tell you, and I think I brought up in that conversation, that, and I talked to Tree about it, who, you know, who was <laughs> comical about it, but just the idea of he threw everything at him, and then Luch was kind of blowing him off, going, yeah, yeah, okay, well, listen, thanks for the call, um, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch, you know, one of those things, yeah. and so, you know, Tree was like, geez, I kind of threw my A-game at him. I better beat it up even more here. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's no different than, than other players. You've got to showcase what you have. And um, and you can be a part of something here. And, and I think um, Lucic felt that, uh, that he could and he could get some time here. But let's be honest, too. Jeff Ward was a very big factor. He credits Jeff Ward for the success he's had in his career. And they, of course, want to stand the cup together in Boston. So Boston is near and dear to his heart still, and I don't blame him. Anywhere you win, it will be there. Uh, you'll still see the tattoo on Jeff Ward's uh, lower leg. Um, you'll walk together forever um, as the team you win with. And now if he can come here and he knows he's got some work to do here and is looking forward to it. I was going back and forth with him the other night. I know he's skating. I think he's skating with Gallagher uh, on the island somewhere. And, uh yeah, it's this guy, and, and listen, I'll see him in the hallways before the game. Some of the guys are stretching, some of them are booting a ball around. He's got a face that will terrify you before the game, and he'll just stare at you. Oh, and I God. just kind of give him a nod and let him do his thing and let him get himself mentally focused, and he, he, honestly, he's ready to go through a wall. So I think his value... You know, talking to some of the other guys, they never feel they're getting run out of buildings. They never feel, you know, they got a, They know they got another key component to the leadership group. And you wait, you know, everybody was critical during the Battle of Alberta, and where was he? But there was some, there was some uh, mental note taking, and there was some trying to figure it out moments, and and some situational stuff. But I don't think we've seen the last of him in terms of his. Um, 
effectiveness, shall we say. Well, it's been such an interesting thing because I know when that happened, like both of us, me especially, I was I was pissed that the Flames went out and acquired Lucic. I was really upset. And I realized the whole James Neal thing had to be resolved. But I was furious. And like he has been such a pleasant surprise, I think. I know a lot of fans get on him, like you said, for the Edmonton game. But I mean... Here's a guy who's come in. He's contributed offensively. He's been pretty good possession-wise. Like, I have very little complaints about Milan Lucic. But I'm just curious from your perspective, because, I mean, previously you were talking about kind of like the PR and stuff like that. I'm just curious because when a trade like that happens, that I think, I think I can speak for most of the fan base. Most of the fan base was pretty upset, I think, from what I've seen my friends from my perspective like is there like an internal dialogue does tree living have a state is there any kind of like hey we need to spin this to the fans or anyway like how much does that come up is that a thing well before i answer that just remember as far as you know what you said about your reaction to that trade and remember what i said earlier in this conversation about the players know right players knew that was the right deal and you have to understand they're not just towing the line when they say we're happy they legitimately in that room and if you start adding up what you saw rasmus anderson say and react Mm -hmm. i'll just let you connect the dots the players welcome that trade now as far as spin i mean you don't need to spin you know you can look at it as the way i chose to look at it was two teams got exactly what they needed two teams got it now, James Neal has scored a bunch of goals in this league. It's not the first time a team has said goodbye to him. Lon Lucic is a high-priced guy, but you didn't bring him in for the offense. You brought him in for leadership. You brought him in for presence. You brought him in to mesh. And I think sometimes that gets lost in, in the eyes of certain fan base, uh, certain fans. Um, would you like... He, he is the first to say he wants to score more. That's not why you got him. And you know what? I can tell you, your living today would make that trade again. Well, it's weird because I would too now. Now I would, now that I've seen the difference. But it's just it's it's just so interesting how your perspective can change on that. Just like, oh yeah, it's it's, it's so weird. Like literally, I never would have thought. All, what do we do? We we just let our eyes and and our minds kind of tell us certain things, like. We either see what we see. You can't tell me different, Ryan. I see what I see. My eyes aren't lying. <laughs> but your eyes don't see everything. Yeah. Your eyes don't see in the room. Your eyes don't see on the plane. Your eyes don't see in practice. Your eyes don't see, you know, uh, group threads. You know, it, it, you have to you have to understand that there's so much more that goes on, and we're all still learning, or else we would be the GMs and not of a fantasy league team. We don't all know. I don't know. Uh, You know, people who are much smarter around the game than I am still don't like. There's a lot of good hockey minds out there, and they still, you know, and that's why sometimes you get it right, sometimes you get it wrong. It might seem easy when you get it wrong, but I know True Living wouldn't hesitate to make that move again, and he loves to swing for the fences. And don't we love that about him? I mean, this. There's other GMs who don't make big splashes and take big cuts, but he wants to build a winner. And uh, we'll see how it happens, but he doesn't sleep very much, and he 
He's never taken his foot off the gas. He's always thinking, always. I know him well enough personally and professionally to tell you, it never stops, never. Do you see um, Taylor Hall potentially being a fit in the future? It's going to be an opportunity. I don't know. It's going to be an opportunity. Guys, I don't know if he wants. Like he wants to win now. Then hey, who doesn't? Um, and so that is an option for Calgary. Um, but I don't know. You know, he's done the Canadian market. You know, and you think I think he wants to know where he's close. You know, he's done New Jersey. He's done Edmonton. He's done Arizona. Um, did he ever feel close in any of those? I don't know. He's got ties and roots here, obviously. Um, they are close. He's going to want a big payday, although right now you wonder, is everybody going to have to settle for a little bit less given everything? And does he want to? Or does he want the bright lights of a New York or a Chicago? or a, I don't know if he wants a Montreal, but I think he wants to go somewhere big, and that's just kind of hearsay from my end. Um, yeah. I don't think it's crazy talk. But I don't think it's likely. They did have discussions. You heard about it. It was true. There was talk and there was interest from Calgary's end. But that was then. Going forward now, that's a pretty big payday. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if I want that at this point. Yeah, I think with Hall, like I don't know, from from a lot of fans' perspective, it's like if he wanted to come here and would take a sweet deal to come here, I, I don't see any fan who doesn't want Taylor Hall. But I don't think we want to be, at this point, going all out for a guy who's, you know, I don't know, from my perspective, almost 30. You don't want to be paying, paying $10 million for that, personally, I don't think. He's a little nicked up, too. Yeah, so, like, if he... if he he's got hard miles on him. Oh, totally. So, if he came to Calgary, I'm not complaining, but I'm just saying, I, I totally understand. Like, I, I don't think the Flames are going to be busting down the door to get Taylor Hall, so... I think they'll kick tires on a lot of players, yeah. big names, otherwise... Free agents, trade. I honestly don't. You know, the one thing about Brad is he does his due diligence. Yeah. And he wants the right fit. He wants good people, and he wants people who can get him over the hump at this point. So, if uh, if that's a player that he feels he can do it, I'm certain that there will be more calls on that player. But uh, but I, I'm not holding my breath on that one for some reason. Yeah, I think what intrigues me about that is when when Edmonton traded for him, that really let a huge fire under his ass and enough so that he was the most valuable player in the league. So to bring him back where the Battle of Alberta is, has been renewed, I mean, that would be... <laughs> yeah. That, that part intrigued me, but, yeah. Is that a dog I heard in the background? It was me laughing, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sounds the same. Yeah. Yeah. So before we let you go, thoughts on, um, you know, this 2014 playoff format and, and the Winnipeg-Calgary matchup. Like, do you... Have you talked to any of the players yet? Do they excited about the, you know? Oh yeah, I mean some of them like it. I mean, but honestly, they'd like any matchup. They just want to yeah. get going. The guys I've talked to. So, um, I had a conversation with this with my Winnipeg counterpart, and he was, you know, chock full of of uh, referencing this year and and how they've been able to find their game and how the Flames haven't necessarily reached their potential. All very valid points, except. Throw it out the throw this thing out the window because yeah. there's been such a layoff. To me, it's not about if Winnipeg had a great ten game stretch or if Calgary won eight in a row or lost fifteen. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. So stop with the 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 building of the case where yeah. because of what happened this year, that's going to have some sort of bearing on what happens in this playoff format. 
It really doesn't. To me, it comes down, guys, to a few things. Are you going to get the goaltending? Is David Riddick or Cam Talbot, depending on who carries the bulk of the mail, somebody makes a name for themselves in the postseason. Is it going to be one of those two? Because Big Save Dave was an all-star this year. Cam Talbot was coming on. The workload for David might have been a little tough. Yeah, He wanted to play 60 games. Um, meanwhile, Hellebuck uh, in Winnipeg is, is a proven goaltender right now. But a year ago, there were some questions about him. So which version of the goalies are you going to get? And which stars find their game the quickest? Where does the rust get knocked off? Who can get off the couch? Who's in great shape? And where do you get the goaltending? To me, that's all it comes down to. And you can go position by position. Calgary might have the advantage on the blue line, maybe a little deeper, maybe a little better. Maybe you give the nod to Winnipeg between the pipes. And up front, sure, Winnipeg's probably a little bit bigger, but I don't know if they necessarily play it. Do they want to lean on teams come the postseason? We'll see. But I don't think Calgary's ever been intimidated by Winnipeg's size, even when they had Buffalo in the lineup. And they've had success against them. So they're close in points. They're different teams. To me, it's Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monaghan, and Mark Giordano going to find a way to have playoff success. Get over the hump. Because I don't think any Flames fan liked what they saw against Colorado a year ago. And uh, now can those guys find another level to their game when it, you know, is totally bizarre, bizarro-type format. So that, to me, is what it comes down to, the realities of it, not not necessarily the matchup. Yeah, I totally agree. Because it's it's crazy, because everyone's like, oh, the Flames are getting on a roll there towards the end. It's like, doesn't matter. No, like, it doesn't matter. Like, this is a whole I mean, new it thing. for confidence. It might for, hey, remember what we were doing, guys? We made some systematic changes here, and that was really working for us. That for sure. Yeah. But momentum right now, it's ceased. Yeah, and like I think you mentioned that you a few players are still working out. We know Gio will probably come back in good shape, but oh jeez, Chelsea, yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, Dubé's here, um, Michael Stone, and that's it. Um, everybody else is is back home. I was talking to Noah Hannafin the other day, doing well. Obviously, you see Kachuk every two minutes on some sort of uh, <laughs> at home with stuck with the Kachuks or whatever. They're they're staying active. I know certain guys that. The Swedes are skating. If you look at Oliver Shillington's feet, he's just giving it right now. So, and I know a guy like Travis Hammock is, you know, out at his cottage and he's putting in the work as well. So there's a lot of guys who, you know, I hate to say nothing of the fact that we mentioned a couple of free agents and they're playing for jobs too. So um, there's a lot of motivation here. One team is going to go home far too quick, not just one, yeah. in those play-in matchups. Um, there's going to be teams that go home too quick after after all this. So I don't think they want to, you know, they obviously want to prolong this whole thing. So goaltending, fitness, and which stars find their game. Yes, just one quick question on, on Gaudreau, Monaghan, and, and Giordano, like you mentioned. I don't know, because what do you think went wrong last year? Because I kind of hear this refrain from a few people. It's like, oh, Gaudreau has never been able to perform in the playoffs and neither is Monaghan. And I kind of, like, if you look back at their playoff history, like, I look back at the 2015 year, they were both very excellent, I think. I thought Monaghan was at, they got swept by the Ducks, but I really thought Sean Monaghan was good in that series. So I really think it was just something that happened last year. Like, do you have any ideas as to, like, 
what those guys need to do this round, like you said, like, what is it? Like, is it just, like, I, I can't put my finger on it. Like, yeah, last year was so weird. The three of them just don't have a ton of playoff experience. Yeah, I guess so. They just don't have a lot of games under their belt. Yeah. Also, um, it's not, you know, easy to play that time of year, at uh, this time of year. And um, teams find a way. It's a different season, and teams find a different way to play harder. And I think if you talk to those guys, talk to Sean Monaghan last year about it, he's just sick and tired of it. And, you know, health is always a factor. To his credit, he has played he mangled uh, in the postseason in the past. But but no excuses. They have to be better when it gets harder. Yeah. And that remains to be seen. And they will tell you the same. This is not me bad-mouthing or making excuses. They know they have to be better when it matters and when it gets hard. And I'll give full credit to Nathan McKinnon, who, for me, if I was starting a team today with given players, uh, where players are right now in their careers and their ages, I start with that guy. No. He just does not accept mediocre. He does not accept it being just okay. If he sees something he doesn't like in practice, he loses it. I like that. I want that accountability because he backs it up. You remember when he got in a verbal... Yeah. uh, Do your job! ...on the... uh, Yeah on the bench and I asked Jared Bednar privately about that before one of the playoff games you know not to bring up old news but looking back at that what's your takeaway he goes I like it I like that he cared that much now do we wish it was as public now but you know what he cares and it's okay that uh, it was heated and I saw him do that in practice just pulled his teeth. So I'd like to see more of that as far as Calgary's concerned. And I think you're starting to see, because that still, guys, believe it or not, a year ago, they still have that taste in their mouth. Don't let it fool you for one second if you think, ah, oh, we've moved on and you have to forget about that. No, no. They use that. And this year, after all the bumps and bruises, all the highs and lows, from TJ Brody collapsing to the Bill Peters situation to stars underperforming, taking a step, they're clawing, they're scratching, and you know what Jeff Ward said to me before the stoppage, he just said, I like our game, and I like the fact that nothing's come easy, and you look at St. Louis, certainly Colorado teams that had to claw and scratch to get in, it served them well. Calgary a year ago didn't have a meaningful game in a month, and maybe they, it was a little too easy. It has to matter every night. So, we'll see if it does. There's a lot of questions. Fans certainly want some answers. I think the players want to prove it to themselves first and foremost, but they, they hear it. They know it, and they know the game's under their belt and how, how little winning they've been doing in their careers in the postseason, and that is all that matters. So we'll see how it plays out. All right, last one for you. You've you got 24 teams. Who's your dark horse? Do you have, like, a dark horse? Because we were looking at it earlier, and it's like, holy shit. Anybody could win. Like, are you going to count the Penguins out? Like, you're telling me the Penguins couldn't get on a heater with Crosby and Malkin healthy? Like, who, who's a t- is there a team that you yeah, have, like... You know who might make some noise? Uh, Chicago could make some noise. Um, I think Pittsburgh could make some noise. I certainly think the teams to beat are... I think Denver's a really good team going forward. I think they're going to be dangerous. Um, but, yeah, there's... Those are probably the ones that jump out for me as far as dark horses and, and teams that are probably going to make some big noise it's going to be cool and i kind of hope 
they do incorporate some of the things that are successful from this into future seasons. That's one of my hopes that comes out of all this because I really like this. Even the Hub City thing, even though it hasn't been figured out, I think that's cool. It kind of, it just feels cool, so. Yeah, I mean, there's there's still some things, uh, some work to be done, isn't there, as far as, cool. uh, you know, what this all looks like and where it is and if we're all impressed at the end of the day with yeah. it. But, uh, yeah, right. I'm just looking forward to it coming back and us having actual hockey conversations again. Yeah, me too. Okay, well, thanks so much, Mr. Leslie. Really appreciate it. Um, I know you're a busy man, and hopefully we'll see you on TV very soon. Are you going to be rocking the beard when you're back, or what's going on with that? I haven't seen you on Instagram in a little while. I, I've kind of taken it down a couple of times. Okay. Uh, but, uh, yeah, these are the these are the questions we're going to have to figure out here. But, I know. Uh, it's a little too white, so I'll probably take it down. I liked it. I liked it a lot, so don't just, don't listen. Just pick well, up. Maybe I'll get uh, a Grecian formula spot. Perfect. I was just going to say that Grecian 5 works pretty good, I heard. Yeah. All right, well, thanks a lot, Ryan. Um, take care, and uh, we'll, see, we'll, we'll see you soon, hopefully. Guys, thanks for having me, and uh, maybe we can do this again in season. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks, Ryan. Take, take care. care. Thanks, guys.